Helo a chroeso i bodlediad yr Academy Genedlaethol ar gyfer arweinyddiaeth a ddysgol yng Nghymru. Podlediad sy'n rhannu materion ac arferion arweinyddiaeth allweddol ar draws y sector addysg yma yng Nghymru ac yn rhyngwladol. Hello and welcome to the podcast from the National Academy for Educational Leadership in Wales, a podcast that shares key leadership issues and practices across the education sector here in Wales and internationally. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, the National Academy for Educational Leadership's podcast is being recorded via Zoom. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Well, prynhawn da i chi gyd a croeso i ddigwyddiad mewn trafodaeth yr Academy Genedlaethol ar gyfer arweinyddiaeth mewn partneriaeth ar y Throfa Prifysgol Cymru y Drindo Dewi Sant. Lle byddwn yn clywed anfanteision ac anfanteision wythnos anghymesur. Good afternoon to you all and welcome to the National Academy for Educational Leadership in Conversation event in partnership with the Athrova University of Wales Trinity St David where we will hear about the advantages and disadvantages of the asymmetric week. This in-conversation event is in response to a report, the value of asymmetric school weeks in Wales, lessons learned from schools in Wales by Gareth Evans, Director of Education Policy at the Athrova. The report was sponsored by the Leadership Academy. Pleser yw crosawi dai bennaeth ysgol atom sydd wedi cyfrannu at yr adroddiad ac maen nhw yma heddiw i rannu eu profiadau gyda chi. It's my pleasure to welcome two head teachers who have contributed to the report and they are here to share their experiences of introducing and implementing the asymmetric week in their schools. Croeso Michelle. Michelle is the head teacher of uh, Pembroke Dock and also Croeso Therese Angell Jones, head teacher at Ysgol Bromorganog, but who was the previous head teacher of Treoki Comprehensive School, where he introduced the Asymmetric Week. Before we hear from Michelle and Rhys, I'd like to hand over to Gareth, who will give us some of the background to the report. Diolch Gareth. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you very much to the National Academy for the invite today and for hosting and facilitating this event. As Tegwin says, my name is Gareth Evans and I'm Director of Education Policy uh, at the Athrova Centre for Education at the University of Wales, Trinity St. David. The value of asymmetric school weeks lessons learned from school in Wales was published late last year and is available in full and publicly via the Athrova and the National Academy websites. Principally, the paper seeks to better understand the practicalities of implementing an asymmetric school week, considering its strengths and its weaknesses based on the contributions from two schools pioneering these new ways of working. Typically involving a combination of longer and shorter days, the asymmetric school week allows schools to break from established timetabling and fundamentally change the way they operate for both pupils and staff. Also known as the four-day school week, uh, its origins as a mainstream intervention date back some 30 or 40 years when it became prominent in the US uh, as a way of saving money. In the UK, the asymmetric week appears most popular in Scotland, where the vast majority of local authorities now have schools employing some form of an asymmetric week. In Wales, the emergence of the asymmetric school week can be considered a relatively recent phenomenon, and as such, research into its impact remains largely anecdotal. And that's what makes today's event 
so special to have two school leaders uh, in Michelle and Reese uh, who have lived it and been through it uh, and will be sharing their practical real life experience is I think really really valuable they can do I think far better what any uh, any educational researcher can and they can talk us through their their actual real life journeys before that though and before I introduce them both to talk us through what they did um, I'm going to provide a little bit of context to the research uh, and the report that is available and provide a snapshot of what we did. By way of overview, then, the study benefits, as I say, from its first-hand perspective of the realities of adopting new timetabling arrangements. Collectively, it considers data from two schools, Pembroke Dock Community School and Triorchy Comprehensive School, and their head teachers, 127 school staff, 140 parents and 55 pupils. Now we used by way of methodology, semi-structured interviews of school leaders and online surveys using the web-based Qualtrics tool to gather the views of staff, parents and pupils. So we, we, we wanted to try and get as broad a perspective as we could and therefore involve the entire school community. Broadly speaking, the research focuses on the implementation and impact of transitioning to a four-day week. And whilst its findings are not generalisable, they do offer, I think, a valuable insight into two working examples of asymmetric arrangements in the Welsh context. We were uh, particularly interested in three things. The conditions required for schools to transition to an asymmetric week. How schools can prepare for and successfully implement an asymmetric week and the way in which the asymmetric week impacts on staff, pupils and parents. So why now? What prompted our research and why did I reach out and disturb and annoy these two head teachers when I did? Well, actually, I think now is a really, really good time to be looking at things like this, thinking outside the box, thinking about things that perhaps we haven't thought about before. And I think there are five core reasons, five core reasons to consider new timetabling arrangements and they, they probably won't come as a great surprise to you. Partly out of necessity, we are aren't we having to do things differently in the context of COVID. Staggered start times, smaller groups of learners and careful timetabling of staff are all features of our education system, at least in the short term. The Reimagining Education Commission set up by the Welsh Government and chaired by uh, Mick Waters, who is with us today, suggests that there is a genuine interest now in Wales in new ways of working. There is, I think, and I'm sure you'd agree, a growing culture of change and innovation in Welsh education, uh, as demonstrated by our uh, national mission and our reform agenda. Personally, I was, uh, I was driven by, a, by the fact that there is such a limited research base in this area, um, particularly uh, in the UK and, and more specifically in Wales. And finally, then, the Curriculum for Wales, with its renewed focus uh, on health and well-being and the new need for professional learning opportunities to support curriculum design uh, and delivery, I think, makes this a really opportune time to consider new ways of working. If we are to make time for uh, the new curriculum, to develop our understanding of it, to design it, to, to implement it. We need to find time in our working days, I think, to, to, to do some of this thinking and what better way uh, than through asymmetric arrangements. So all of these things, I think, make consideration of the asymmetric week a real pertinent consideration. So now then, I want to give you a, a really quick snapshot of some of the responses we, we got from our, our communities. Um, the report is extensive. It runs, I think, to 60 or 70 pages and includes a, 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 a vast number uh, of 
figures of, of graphs of uh, survey responses all laid out in full. So I'd encourage you, if you wanted to see more, uh, to look at the report itself. But I'm going to give you just a very, very quick five slide snapshot to give you a flavour of some of the things that we found. In the interest of time, I've picked out these things and there are a few from Triorgi and one from Pembroke Dock. And then I've compiled from both school findings uh, what I perceive to be or what the schools perceive to be the challenges to implementation and then the factors most contributing to successful imp implementation of the asymmetric school week. And parents at uh, Triorgi were asked, to what extent do you agree or disagree that the asymmetric week has impacted positively on your child's or children's mental health and well-being, learning, behaviour and family home life? Now, as you can see, the proportion who agreed or strongly agreed, the bar there in blue, far outweighed those who disagreed or strongly disagreed, which is the grey bar across each measure. So, so fairly positive feedback from the parent community in terms of the impact on their children. At least a third of respondents felt that their child or children's mental health and well-being, learning, behaviour and family and home life had been impacted positively by the asymmetric week. So certainly then from a parental perspective on their own children, uh, a broadly positive response. Moving on then to feedback from pupils. Pupils were asked um, a series of questions as well as uh, staff uh, and teachers. And in this figure, you can see that pupils at Triorki again responded very favourably um, to whether or not their new timetable had been a good or bad thing. In their view, uh, the vast majority of pupils thought that the earlier finish with longer school days Monday to Friday, Reese will go into this, I'm sure, a, a little bit later on, had been a good thing. So, so there was broadly positive responses from parents at the school and uh, some encouraging responses as well from pupils. So it's really important, I think, as part of this study that we tried to capture as many different views as we could from Pembroke Dock and staff at Pembroke Dock, where we were looking to see the extent to which they agreed or disagreed that the asymmetric week had impacted positively on their professional development, their workload, their mental health and well-being, family home life, teaching and morale. Again, the results are broadly very encouraging and that the majority of respondents either agreed or strongly agreed that, that the asymmetric week had impacted positively on the professional development workload and so on. The most promising development appears to have been staff's improved family home life, which ties in with a, another of the report's foci, foci which was uh, health and well-being, with 76% uh, of 58 respondents agreeing or agreeing strongly that the asymmetric week had had a positive impact. Improvements to staff mental health and well-being were also noticeably high, with 74% of 58 who responded agreeing or, or strongly agreeing that changes had made a positive difference. Almost 7 in 10, 68% agreed that their professional development had benefited. And again, I'm sure Michelle will go into more detail shortly. The report breaks up the findings, uh, if you like, into case studies. But for the purposes of this short session, I wanted to, to compile results. And this is what I've done here with the with challenges to introducing an asymmetric week. So I wanted to give us an idea of some of the, the more challenging aspects for uh, school staff at both schools. So this is a compilation of, uh, of responses from both Triorki and Pembroke Dock. 
changing staff mindset was considered most challenging with gaining buy-in from the school community and agreeing a new timetable also ranked among the more challenging aspects of the asymmetric week. Arranging childcare was the least challenging issue for staff and that's that was a finding that was consistent to both both across primary and secondary schools so that was consistent across the two so those findings I think are fairly interesting and something that we can uh, seek to learn from. And finally then Uh, a look at the factors staff across both schools considered most important to the successful implementation. So those contributing factors that they considered most crucial, if you like. Uh, Strong leadership comes out on top by some distance as being the most important contributing factor. I don't think a huge surprise, but an an interesting and important finding uh, nonetheless. Staff support for new arrangements is also considered one of the more important aspects and time and support of the wider school community were deemed less important relative to the other aspects. So, again, some interesting insights there, collective insights from across both schools. Overall, the report provides two contrasting illustrations, I think it would, would be fair to say, of how an asymmetric school week can be designed, implemented uh, and subsequently received by staff. It shows there are potential benefits to changing established routines and timetables, but that these benefits are not guaranteed and dependent on individual school contexts. Without further ado, then, I'd like to pass over to Michelle, uh, head teacher of Pembroke Dock Community School, to tell us about her asymmetric journey. Thank you, Michelle. I'm Michelle Thomas, head teacher of Pembroke Dock Community School in Pembrokeshire. Um, You can see that we're a large primary school and in an area of deprivation. Um, Why did we introduce an asymmetric week at Pembroke Dock Community School? And we have been running the asymmetric week now for two and a half years, starting from September 2018. Well, there were a number of catalysts that prompted us to look at rethinking how the school day should look. We were a professional learning pioneer school supporting the development of the new curriculum for Wales. And this gave us the opportunity to reflect on how to improve professional learning within the school. And it raised the potential um, for reimagining the school day. At that time, we were also part of a small network of schools um, across the UK who were developing um, visible learning strategies together. And as part of the network, we visited each other's settings. Um, When I went up to Scotland, I learned that in Middle Othian, the whole authority had been running an asymmetric week um, for over 10 years. And I reflected on how we could compete with the pace of development and progress when uh, their staff trained every Friday afternoon and we couldn't. Then also, in addition, I took part in a professional learning visit to Ontario in Canada And Ontario had turned its um, education system around to being one of the top performing in the world. And one aspect that stood out for me was the emphasis on continual professional development throughout your career for Canadian teaching staff. The local university there had hundreds of accredited courses for teachers to enroll on um, every year. And their equivalent to our EWC hosted a website where your qualifications and courses were available Um, for parents to view. And at that time, the emphasis on professional learning just wasn't there in the same manner for teachers in Wales. Um, So introducing the asymmetric week was something I was exploring. And I was talking about it when I was introduced to Rhys from Triorchy Comprehensive School, 
who had set up a system where staff took part in professional learning alternate weeks and then staff had designated well-being time every other week. And I thought how this could be a bonus um, as extending the day and expecting staff to train every week would extend their working time. But by including well-being time could balance everything out. And this again came at the right time as staff well-being was just sort of becoming a national focus. So what are the benefits of introducing an asymmetric week? Well, there are many benefits. Firstly, um, we've been able to treble the amount of dedicated time to training um, at no extra cost uh, to the school. It's been good for morale in that staff are better trained and they have dedicated well-being time. Um, They can organise meetings for the Friday afternoons. We've also created further time for collaboration. Uh, This has enabled staff to remain in class more during the week because they're not pulled out of meetings during their teaching time. All teachers have been able to take part in seminars with the university and every member of teaching staff has also had time to conduct critical collaborative inquiries and are given space and time to look at relevant research. It's also given us space to look at the new curriculum and receive training in our development areas. Staff can leave every other week on Friday lunchtime And on the professional learning weeks, it also gives us a slightly earlier finish time. Uh, The pupils have been upskilled by well-trained staff. There's extracurricular um, activities for them if they remain on the premises on a Friday afternoon. Benefits to families is that they can make additional time for themselves and perhaps take advantage of going away for long weekends or utilise the activities available around Pembrokeshire. Are there any disadvantages? I considered what might be disadvantages at the planning stage. I was concerned that a shorter Friday might increase absence on a Friday, um, but it but it didn't. Um, and it but it didn't improve attendance either. One of the questions raised was about the issue of vulnerable children perhaps having a longer weekend, um, but we actually encouraged those actively encouraged those children to stay behind on a Friday afternoon and possibly offer them some extra support or they took part in the um, extracurricular activities. I thought possibly staff may have needed additional childcare, but how the consultation and um, how we actually presented the asymmetric week, it, um, that didn't really impact on us at all. Um, it was also raised at that time that what about if there were county events going on on Friday afternoon, our children would miss out. So we made at the time a commitment to ensure that no child would miss out on anything that was being organised within the county. Um, however, since running the asymmetric week, there has never been anything on a Friday afternoon anyway. What does the asymmetric week look like at Pembroke Dock Community School? Well, instead of each school day being the same length, we have four days of the week that are a little longer now. And on the fifth day, which is a Friday, we finish teaching earlier at the lunchtime. Um, so there's a four and a half day week in school for pupils, but there was out without any uh, reduction in the total hours of attendance and teaching time. The Friday afternoons are dedicated to professional learning one week and the next staff are able to go home for their well-being. Support staff have a well-being week and then the following week uh, they remain in school. Uh, their time is split into two where they run an activity with the children for um, one hour. And then there is a changeover with the second hour dedicated to their professional development and they they swap over. 
If you're thinking of introducing an asymmetric week or changing the school day timings, there's a couple of things that are important to know. Um, firstly, the legal aspects of changing the school day. Uh, you have to consult on the proposals. Uh, parents will need to be given a full term's notice of any changes. And you can only implement changes to the school day from the beginning of a new academic year. When we went out to consultation, um, I soon became aware that when you start talking about well-being time for teachers, um, people didn't want to know. I found that there's a real lack of understanding of the intensity of the job unless you're actually in it. Um, so I did speak more about the benefits of having the best trained staff and being much better prepared for the new curriculum. We wanted to make sure that there were no barriers to our families through introducing the asymmetric week. Um, so we offered free Friday afternoon activities for any learners who remained in school until the end of the, the school day. Uh, we didn't change anything to uh, the rest of the school day. So we offered a wraparound care from 7.30 in the morning for breakfast club right up until six o'clock at the end of the day. So it wouldn't have impacted um, on anybody's personal arrangements. When we went out for consultation, I presented the case by asking what would be the barriers to the change, opposed to asking if you wanted to change or not, because uh, people do fear change. And it's easy, really easy for people to say, oh, no, 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 this is all working fine for me. I don't want to change. Um, we also went out uh, to consultation with our cluster secondary school. Um, we felt that there was strength in doing this together and we served the same uh, community. Our local newspaper, who heard of the proposal, decided to put out a live poll asking if people would support a new weekly structure. And it had surprising results. There were over 2,000 votes in the locality and 90% of voters said they would support the new weekly structure. So I actually used their poll as part of my feedback from the consultation. So how is it going? Well, staff have received a wealth of training opportunities over the last two and a half years. Uh, this includes activities such as seminars from lecturers, um, accredited courses such as coaching. Staff have been involved in degrees, postgraduate certificates, master's qualifications, open university courses. All teachers have taken part now in two cycles of collaborative critical inquiries, um, which has involved close practice research. Um, as well as looking at wider research. The outcomes of those outcomes have helped us develop our new curriculum. Um, staff have worked in collaboration in professional learning communities, again, looking at the new curriculum and developing aspects that are new for us. And we've increased our cluster working and have received training together on areas such as mindfulness and this year working with Empathy Lab. A number of our cluster schools followed suit after uh, we, had, we um, did the asymmetric week for the first year. And so the majority of our cluster is running the asymmetric week now. We've had dedicated time to discuss and develop our curriculum and pedagogy. Um, we've had specific focus for support staff uh, that's included upskilling their IT skills, additional learning needs and Welsh and also being trauma informed and pupil well-being. We've reduced the time that teachers are taken out of class during the week so that meetings will be put on those Friday afternoons that, that are scheduled. Staff and pupils have learnt new skills and there is improved well-being for staff and there are fewer staff absences. So during lockdown, um, we kept our asymmetric week timetable going and kept up with the training timetable. 
And we also ensured that the staff had the downtime for their uh, dedicated wellbeing sessions. Thank you, Michelle. We'll pass over now then straight straight across to um, to Rhys. Yeah, thanks, Gareth. Uh, thanks, Michelle. I'll say lots of what Michelle has said um, is common to uh, Chalky Comprehensive School as well. Uh, so I won't repeat all of that. I should say Prynhawn Darbaw because I'm uh, currently the head teacher of a Scogham Rye Pro Morganog in the Vale of Glamorgan. I started uh, my role here in January, having been the head teacher of Chalky Comprehensive School in the Ronda for 10 years. Um, and I was at the school for 23. So uh, I was very proud to be a member of that school. Very, very proud to be the head teacher of it. And I'm now very proud to be the head teacher of Scogham Rye Bromorgano. But uh, this is about Chalky Comprehensive and the journey we had there. I'll give you a little bit of context about the school. Then why we... Um, went along the route of uh, an asymmetric week and, of course, uh, how we did it. Typical Valley School, the heart of a community in the uh, Rhonda Valley, the Upper Rhonda. Catchment is uh, serves an area of uh, significant deprivation with some fantastic people and pupils at the school, but equally challenges that come with that. And one of the challenges we had was aspiration. Um, that was not true of everybody. Everybody didn't lack aspiration by any means, but it was something we were always encouraging the pupils and the whole community um, to look at and to try to improve and be aspirational. Um, the question we were always asking ourselves, or more recently, was what children need to be successful in the 21st century? And it became very apparent to us very quickly that whilst there was a national obsession with in 2016, we're talking now, we're a national obsession with a level two, including English and maths and the results. But at the same time, we were also very keen to make sure that they had all the other skills and personal attributes that we believe they required to become successful in life. Um, and that was very important to us as a school. The greatest challenge we had was that Whilst we wanted the children to achieve their dreams, not our dreams, not the politicians or bureaucrats' dreams, their dreams and their aspirations, um, the biggest problem we had was that of ensuring that we moved from a culture of utter dependency, which has developed because of the, what I would call, obsession with uh, certain key performance indicators, schools became totally focused on ensuring that children, pupils achieved well in certain aspects of school life. And because of that, teachers worked out what was needed for children to succeed in those key performance indicators. Teachers did more and more, children did less and less, and we developed a dependency culture, which we needed to turn around totally so that the children not only became in independent, but also were able to work interdependently with peers, parents, teachers, members of the community. So we asked them to take a look at themselves to see what they needed to do to uh, make the change of course and take responsibility whilst working together um, to succeed and achieve their goals, their aspirations and their dreams. Um, the big question was, we, we, we all agreed as a staff in Trilogy Comprehensive School that this was what was needed. We needed independent and interdependent pupils. But the huge question, of course, was how we would achieve this. 
we thought long and hard and tried different things. And the answer came for me when I went on a visit to visit to see some friends in Cambridgeshire. Two friends who are also teachers, so you can imagine how boring our conversations were because my wife is also a teacher, so uh, talking shop was uh, unfortunately part of the course. Um, but we went to visit one of our friends' new school, which was an independent school in Cambridge, the Lees. And through conversations, I was asking her what makes this so successful where compared to her previous school, which was a state school. But she put it down to one thing um, above all else, and that was prep. Um, and doing exactly what it says in the tin, of course, which is preparing for the next day, reflecting on the, the day that's just been, and getting ready for future learning. So I made the decision at that point that I was going to go back to Triorchy Comprehensive and propose that we needed prep in Triorchy Comprehensive School because that would give our children time and space and do work in preparation for their future learning, would provide them with resources that they might not have at home, be they digital resources, human resource, the teacher, the most important resource, and a curriculum as well that we would create, which was the old-fashioned learning to learn, really, the skills to become independent um, and be able to take responsibility for their own learning. Um, and Cherokee Comprehensive was that we wouldn't be able to have prep between three and five o'clock every night because the children quite simply wouldn't stay. So we had to get it into the curriculum. And the question was how? And the answer, of course, was the asymmetric week. So we went to look at the asymmetric week, but basically by lengthening the day slightly Monday to Thursday, it was giving us six lessons a day instead of five, we got three hours, if you like, of prep per week. So the subjects all had exactly the same number of lessons in key stage three, four and five, but it also created space for us to have these three additional lessons that we would hand over to prep, one on a Monday, one on a Wednesday, one on a Friday. But what we also spotted, of course, in the same way as Michelle spotted, was there was an opportunity to shorten the Friday and provide those opportunities that Michelle has already um, explained perfectly. So uh, I won't go any into, into any further detail on that for now. It became quite clear for an asymmetric week, we're going to create independent and interdependent learners. The lessons were 55 minutes instead of 60 minutes, um, but the same number of lessons every week. Improving pupil outcomes, of course, um, because there were the academic benefits of them becoming independent and interdependent, but also the enrichment and social sort of um, opportunities that came from that Friday afternoon, providing time for staff to engage in professional learning again. And there we have it. So there was the rationale clearly creating the independent and independent learners, improving the outcomes for pupils, bearing in mind what the outcomes were, of course, not just results, but results and all those personal qualities and softer skills that they need and improving staff well-being. And like Michelle, we then went on to sell this um, to our community, staff, pupils, uh, parents and everybody else um, with that rationale. There's our perceived advantages and disadvantages of the asymmetric week. The, a lot of these did not come um, to fruition. As Michelle said, we did not have a problem with staff and childcare. Children did not um, engage with antisocial behaviours during their free time on the, on the Friday, which could have been a uh, potential disadvantage. That did not happen and has not happened to my knowledge. Um, the advantages did come to uh, fruition. 
Um, the only other challenge we had is our staff did feel that the Monday to Thursday, even though we'd only added 15 minutes to the school day, um, the six lesson day did become a challenge for them when they used to having a five lesson day. They felt that having two lessons after lunch every day, as opposed to one lesson after lunch every day, was, was tiring. Of course, then that Friday afternoon did counterbalance it uh, to a great extent. And one of the things that I believe uh, was a huge um, success from our point of view was our consultation statutory uh, time that, that you have to give to consultation is relatively short but we did spend 16 months consulting and I believe that that was one of the factors that made it such a success to get everybody on board and everybody uh, engaged with the uh, with the idea but the order in which we did things worked really well there were some uh, discussions about whether we should tell parents before pupils, pupils before parents and all those kind of issues. But it worked very well for us this timeline. But as I say, it enabled us to accelerate at times when it was appropriate, when the mood was good and the attitudes were good towards it. And then take the foot off the pedal when other pressures were dominating people. Because, of course, in a school year, you know, there are there are peaks and troughs in terms of uh, pressures on people's times and so on. So. I would advocate taking time over this if uh, you were thinking of introducing it. But I believe that this was something that worked really well to achieve what we wanted to achieve at the school. Thanks, Rhys. I'm going to take over quickly now and just share um, the report's overall findings um, and then bring in uh, Rhys and Michelle for a, a quick chat and a, and a question and answer. So I'm just going to conclude... I'd like to go into our, our findings. So to begin with then, overarching findings from the report, from the perspective of both schools, uh, the headline findings. Um, but suffice to say, it was clear that thorough consultation, as, as both Rhys and Michelle have, uh, have talked about, with all key groups, um, was crucial to the school's transition to asymmetric arrangements. The report demonstrates that there are very clear benefits uh, to staff mental health and well-being, uh, albeit this was not the case for everybody. Um, as as Rhys says, there, are, there were some issues in relation to uh, longer school days and particularly, which was challenging for some staff. On the whole, the professional learning opportunities generated by the asymmetric week were considered a positive consequence uh, of the new arrangements for staff in both schools which is, I think, an in, a really significant finding, uh, particularly in the context of the new curriculum. Um, another interesting takeaway was that while finishing earlier on a Friday was popular with the vast majority of pupils, uh, as Michelle has hinted at, it was not uh, as appealing for some as others. And I think it's important that we get to uh, dig a little deeper and, and understand why some children, some pupils were slightly more reluctant to finish earlier on a Friday. The report's findings have a number of implications for schools considering the adoption of asymmetric arrangements uh, and a number of recommendations are offered drawing on the experiences uh, of both schools. You know it's really important for schools to develop a sound rationale of, as our heads are, have demonstrated to ensure strong lines of communication uh, being able to adapt as appropriate, uh, not expecting the first iteration to be the last and, and being prepared to change as, as necessary uh, and maintaining, therefore, an ongoing evaluation and review process. What, what schools do in the first 
term or the first year might not be uh, the finished article and they must be willing to evaluate review and and change then i think there are structural implications uh, again our, our school leaders have, have alluded to the fact that school transport and, and crossing patrols uh, are likely to have to change staff contracts in some, some cases need to change there are obviously legal and legislative requirements and it's also important isn't it to consider the pace of change do we stagger the new approach or do we bring it in in one big hit and finally then there are human aspects to consider um, I think our two heads have, have, have really um, made this point very very clearly and I would wholly support it having written the report that full and thorough consultation uh, is essential uh, remember your roles as school leaders and the centrality of strong leadership to successful implementation uh, and, and a point, point we haven't really discussed yet, but, but we discussed uh, at length in the report, was the was the benefit of collaborating with other schools in your cluster, um, where possible to ensure a consistency and approach uh, amongst neighbouring schools. And this helps with uh, transition of pupils, but also the availability of staff to engage in sort of mutually beneficial professional learning opportunities. Um, which, of course, need to be, as, as Michelle stated earlier, both meaningful uh, and relevant, else staff will question why it is they have to stay in school uh, that extra Friday afternoon when all the pupils have left. Two final thoughts from me, which are, are, are direct extracts from the report, I think really important for us to remember moving forward that schools should acknowledge the many different asymmetric arrangements available. We've heard two today, but there are very, very many more op opportunities for schools. You don't have to settle on one particular approach. There are very many different ones to choose from. And remember that changes to existing time timetables can be more subtle or more radical uh, and must be introduced only on the basis of need. And finally then, a reminder really that uh, every school is different and what works for one school is not guaranteed to work in another. As always, schools must do what is right for them uh, and their communities. Uh, so at that point, then I'm going to open the floor to questions and, and please do take this opportunity to ask uh, both Reese and Michelle uh, any questions on their thoughts, their experiences and their plans for the future. So to begin with, uh, we have a question from Elaine Sharpling who asks, is there a plan of development for the professional learning days? And if so, how is this determined? Yep, uh, the schedule is determined over a period of a year. Um, so the staff know those uh, dates in advance. Um, but besides the Friday afternoons being used as training, we still have our uh, Wednesday evenings um, for staff meetings and also our inset days. So that hasn't changed um, either. Um, so the plan uh, was for, um, you know, working towards areas on the school development plan, the um, new curriculum development in uh, looking at aspects of pedagogy, um, you know, trialing something uh, that, you know, that we've discussed and then feeding back and then tweaking it. It's also allowed um, staff to have periods of self-study and, you know, we've got it set in a timetable that they know which which weeks there is professional learning community uh, meetings. And we've also had cluster training as well. 
And then also the local authority, because there have been um, an increased number of schools in the area who work the same way, uh, they run courses um, on a Friday afternoon for our staff because they know they're not taking the children, uh, the staff out of, of classes. So when they're running something for um, our cluster or the um, local authority, um, they've used the Friday afternoon. So some staff might be doing one thing and other staff are doing another thing. So um, a range of different ways of working. The, we've, we took a, took a slightly different approach in uh, Truoki in terms of there was there were um, some whole schools or uh, staff development events during the course of the year, but the most valuable thing we found was um, giving that time on the Friday afternoon, the training time, if you like, over to individual over to departments and to subject leaders to lead the training. What subject leaders the 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 biggest winners, I guess, in all of this, um, in terms of their feedback anyway, were the subject leaders, the heads of departments, because they'd spent years trying to uh, arrange meetings on a Wednesday night, on a Tuesday night, on a Thursday night, whilst making sure that nobody had to pick their children up from swimming or had a dental appointment or that they had pastoral staff who had appointments with parents and so on. This Friday Friday afternoon was sacrosanct and was untouchable. We didn't let anybody do anything on the Friday afternoon, no trips, no anything. And that meant that the whole department were together at least every, well, almost every other Friday. We used some of the time for whole school events, but the number of departmental meetings quadrupled in a year with everyone present. And the standard and quality of discussion and content in these meetings was well, it was unbelievable how it was improved. It went from being operational to being strategic and the, uh, there was sharing of good practice and everything else. So that was the big winner for us. We gave a little bit of, we handed that time over to the uh, middle leaders because they were very strong in true comprehensive school and still are. Uh, and they really did make the most of it. And that professional learning was outstanding. Thanks both. Um, Paul asks, what advice would you give in terms of managing lack of support from your local authority? And I know you you both um, reached out and worked very closely with your local authorities. He said that we began the consultation process this time last year and were told to su- suspend it by the authority. Um, who would like to take that one first? I, I would say that I am surprised by that, really, because it's the governing body that uh, makes the decisions about the the school day, the timings of the school day, and not the local authority. Um, I could say that Pembrokeshire local authority was very supportive. And even my challenge advisor then came along to speak to governors to also uh, talk about the importance of increasing professional learning. So they were they were very supportive. Um, And the governors, likewise, they were also supportive and came and spoke to parents along with the staff. Um, So we had good systems in place and our local authority have now um, developed a workflow document so that if anybody, any other school is interested, um, they can follow the process and know um, all the different aspects that that it involves. So they've been very supportive. And I experienced both sides of the coin because initially, because of our consultation, um, I had great support from uh, different people in the local authority, the important people. Uh, everybody uh, backed it and said, give it a go, go for it, and so on. And of course, this is something that takes time and takes uh, years, really, to establish properly. And as Gareth uh, said in his uh, closing remarks, you have to change things, amend things, improve things, and, and all the rest of it. 
And um, the problem I found was that as personnel changed, there was a lack of understanding about what we were doing. And I think Michelle alluded to right at the start that people don't like change. And people can sometimes be very sceptical about something that's different. Um, so if I did it all again, I would have, once I saw the change in personnel, gone back to consultation almost um, and gone to those people again to explain exactly what we we're doing, why we we're doing it and, and all the rest of it. Um, and that was a really sharp lesson for me to learn because uh, it did make things very challenging at times. Um, but as I say, lessons learned. Consultations are key, I think. Thanks both. And I, th I think just to add to that, from my perspective, the more schools do this, the more it becomes a possibility, the more people understand it and, and understand the possibilities. So I like to think the more you and local authorities and other schools adopt asymmetric arrangements, the more likely government is to buy into it and, and start leading this stuff forward. So I think it's, you know, you are pioneers for this stuff. Um, Katrin asks, do you achieve better outcomes? Um, as a result of the, uh, and I, I'm assuming here we mean pupil outcomes. So Michelle Reese, did you have you got any data that that shows a, an improvement in pupil outcomes? Well, obviously this was one of um, the questions that was asked by um, some of our parent governors, so that we did did look at that closely and did monitor that closely, and we did have improved outcomes uh, at the end of the first year, which would have been the July nineteen. However, you know, you can't, you couldn't look at it, you know, co on cohort on cohort. Um, but that is one of the main reasons why we wanted to introduce the asymmetric week is to improve outcomes for for pupils. So we're still closely monitoring, um, you know, um, all of that elements. And obviously, if we're investing in professional learning in an area, we are expecting to see improvements um, within the classrooms and for the children. And my uh, response to that would be, depends what your definition of outcomes are. We embarked on this journey. I told all the uh, important people that we'd need five years to see it through so that the pupils were doing prep, if you like, or involved with the scheme in the SM when they got to year 11. If we're talking about results in terms of level two plus and all those things that were so important pre-COVID, um, it would take that time. And they did improve over time. But over time I will say there however if you're talking about outcomes in the way I like to think of outcomes results of course plus all of those softer skills and the key thing as far as we were concerned at the time in Truorchy which was independent and interdependent pupils 100% we saw an improvement in it um, 100% and other things came in we developed a coaching culture within the asymmetric week um, and all of it had a huge impact. So yes, but would I be able to flash you up a graph now to show it? Probably not. Um, would I be able to show you lesson observations and so on, or commentary, if you like, from lesson observations? Yes, but um, yeah, there definitely were improvements in outcomes. Thanks, Rhys. I'm going to invite Deb now to ask her question verbally, if she doesn't mind, because it's a uh, uh, a double-edged question, and I think she she posed it slightly better than I would. So, Deb, would you like to come in and, and ask your question? Thank you. First of all, just thank you both, and uh, it's been really informative listening to you this evening. But just just for starters, sort of how how did the changes impact on staff morale and staff well-being? 
um, as well as sort of you both mentioned sort of curriculum for Wales, as well as sort of progressing uh, on your journey towards sort of the realisation of, uh, of that really just as a starter? Benefited massively when we first in- when we first introduced it and we made a big deal about the well-being time as well. And um, I was literally chasing some staff out of school saying, this is your designated well-being time, go and do something. And they made plans. They did, they did walks for themselves. I even had a member of staff who got married on a Friday afternoon for their well-being. But they had tremendous guilt initially. They were worried about being seen out in the community because they thought people might think they should be in work. But also what has benefited, I think, is given having that time to also look at our curriculum and develop it and work together and to share resources and share ideas and for all of that collaborative work that we've had we've really benefited I think there's um, a better um, collaboration and team spirit because of it because we have so much time together that we've created. Yeah and I would agree with many of the things uh, Michelle uh, mentioned there I cannot match the uh, asymmetric week wedding I'll be honest about that there were pros and cons I would say Um, obviously the Friday afternoon where people got to go home early. That was a huge uh, pro in terms of well-being and people having family time. You know, a lot of staff in Triorchy were young staff with children. They loved the fact that they could actually pick their children up from school. So as small as it sounds, that, that had a huge impact on their uh, happiness and morale and everything else. Um, but again, I would say that the key thing for staff wellbeing and morale was the fact that they could work together, these departmental meetings and those events on that Friday when they were in school um, were the big winner because they got to speak to other staff and work with other staff and learn from other staff and share what they do well with other staff. And that was a huge uh, benefit. Um, the con for us was that there were a group of people, well, I would say most of the people did not like going from a five to six lesson day. And if, again, if I was to do it again, I would try to see if there's a way of avoiding that whilst keeping all of the other benefits. The benefits outweighed the disbenefits, but unfortunately, the noise that came out was quite often about that dislike towards a six-lesson day. So that's something to, that I would certainly look at differently if I was to do it again. And now with COVID in the mix, that, that might have a different flavour because I expect lots of people have been exploring sort of that curriculum timetable, you know, now. So maybe people would have a different view again. Um, so thanks both for that. And I, I suppose my other two parts of the question were really, um, firstly, you know, how did pupils react to seeing their teachers and their staff that they work with, you know, learning alongside them in that weekly opportunity? You know, did you celebrate that opportunity to learn as a whole school community? Um, and how did that go, really? And and I think you've already touched on this, both of you, really, but in terms of the increased benefits of that collaboration within school and beyond. So I know you've probably touched on that already, but uh, so apologies. But uh, yeah, just to finish off with those those sort of uh, points, really. I mean, pupil voice already strong within the school. Um, so they've all they've always been involved in, um, you know, various aspects of this of school life. So when if, you, if you're talking about the um, inquiries that the, ch- that the staff have been doing involving the children, yeah, they're always they're always having a questionnaire or something that's going on for them to be involved in. Um, so, yeah, and it's good for the new curriculum as well, that we're all learners, you know, that it's, it's not the teacher is the font of all knowledge. So I think that's a, a really good message as well. Since we've been running the asymmetric week, there have been whole clusters in our local authority that have also come on board and that's really powerful when the cluster have been training together uh, working with their secondary school also 
developing the new curriculum and pedagogy. So it's been very powerful and uh, has given tremendous strength, I think, to those clusters that have had all that additional time. And we didn't manage to achieve what uh, Michelle and her clusters in, t- in terms of getting the schools on board with it, not because of the lack of desire. There's a lot of chat about it and a lot of positivity about it within the cluster. We just didn't get to that point. But uh, it's definitely something that we were aiming for. Thank you very much for that. And thank you very much for, uh, for to Reese and Michelle, as, as Deb says, for their time this afternoon. I'm going to pass swiftly over now to... Uh, Professor Mick Waters, who's going to bring uh, today's session to a close. Mick is the chair of the Reimagining Education Commission and an advisor to the Welsh Government. So over to you, Mick. Well, thanks, Gareth. And uh, hello, everybody. Look, it's been a delight to sit in on the session and to listen to what uh, Rhys and Michelle have been talking about. And it's reminded me that it was about two years ago that I chaired a panel that wrote a report called teaching a valued profession in which in which report we wrote that there were aspects of schooling that needed to be reimagined to make life more family friendly for children but also for the staff who worked in the schools and for me this is an example of uh, one of the early beginnings of how the system can reimagine itself i think that if we don't address the habits the routines and traditions that have gone on in schools possibly for 150 years, it'll be a long while before we get another chance. And the issue of time and the issue of the way we organise the day, the week, the year, they're, they're like Jenga blocks that are built, built up around schools. And if we if we can just start to dislodge some of these Jenga blocks one at a time, maybe we can see a difference in the future. Why I like this and I do think it's really, really good, is that it's an example of what I would call disciplined innovation. It's been thought through, it's been really worked on, and it's been carefully analysed as we've gone along, which is different from that sort of flitting around and trying new things and wondering what might happen if. There's a lot of work been talked about butterflies, you know, where disproportionate activity will result from a little initial burst of energy. And the danger with that is we have activity around the wrong things and we don't really know the impact of what we've been doing. And I do think this is so good because it's been carefully analysed as you've gone along. For me, it's an example of uh, subsidiarity, which is in Graham Donaldson's initial report on how to make the curriculum and the learning that children do as effective as possible because it's put in the decisions near to where they need to be made with the school, with its community, asking the community itself what it wants to do. I did think it was good today that you reflected on the legal and the logistic, as well as the, if you like, educational aspects of it. And that point that was made about pace being really important uh, is a really crucial one. The notion that we really have to think how we're going to get these things to work. And one of the things I liked in both examples was the way that the community, especially parents, but in some cases, youngsters as well, was fully involved at the very beginning and all the way through the process to take it forward. Look, the uh, the benefits seem to me to outweigh many of the disbenefits, as they were called. That notion of a coaching culture that was uh, talked about by Reese, I think, is a really big one. And that's at the heart of the four purposes for learning, both for youngsters and for teachers and other staff. 
I think that the the idea of the flexible professional learning opportunities being created, especially for subject and I would say phase leaders to really draw things together and push things on in the school is good. I would also wonder whether newly qualified teachers don't feel a bigger part of the school if they spend much more time working on uh, things with colleagues and really sort of getting under the skin of what's going on in their school. The obvious benefits to pupil and staff well-being, I think, would be there and the family friendliness for the, the community of the school as well as the workers in the school. I would guess that there are lots of subtle benefits and the outcomes, as Rhys said, are not just in terms of data on a chart, but in terms of the community of the school. I thought it was an excellent presentation and uh, I thought the report as well was really, really good. And if, any, if anybody hasn't read the report, it's really worth it, both in the way it's structured and in the, the way it moves people forward in thinking about the same sort of thing in their own school. No, nobody's saying the asymmetric week is the way to go. What it is is an example of what can be done if a group of people really work to explore something for themselves. And maybe your school is thinking of something slightly different or, or, or a sort of tangent from that. But to Pembroke Dock and to Triorchy schools, I think thanks very, very much indeed for this contribution to the Welsh agenda and to Michelle and to Rhys and to Gareth. I think thank you for what's been a really fascinating uh, little opportunity to see the work that's been going on in schools and more power to your elbow and what's your next uh, development going to be then? Thanks for listening. Maura Dioch Ichi, thank you very much um, for sharing that with us this afternoon uh, to our two head teachers, uh, Michelle and Rhys for their contributions, uh, to you for joining us um, this afternoon uh, as well. Really uh, enthused by Michelle and Reese's pioneering ways in trying to make a better learning environment for not only the staff, but for the learners in their schools as well. And thank you to them for their willingness and their honesty in sharing uh, their experiences. Many thanks to Gareth, of course, for the research and for writing the insight piece so that others might learn from the process and the evidence-informed practice. And of course, to Professor Mick Waters, as always, encouraging with messages of positivity and the can-do and why-not attitude. Gobeithion eich bod wedi mwyn hair bennod hon o bodlediad yr Academy Arwynyddiaeth. Tan ysgrifiwch ar Spotify, podlediadau Apple neu Google a pheidiwch byth â cholli penod. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leadership Academy podcast. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts and never miss an episode.